this is Stacey Hillier and you are listening to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. Well, everybody, welcome back for episode two of a brand new season. I hope you enjoyed our first episode with Pastor Corey Turner as we kicked off a collection where we focus on one of the most profound global prophetic words released over 2023 by Prophet Jeremiah Johnson of the Altar Global. And I hope you've had a chance to have a look at the link that's in the show notes where you can see that full prophecy. Today, we continue to look at this word section by section to help us to interpret and apply the prophecy to both our individual and community settings. Again, I have placed a link to the video of this prophetic word in the show notes, and I encourage you to have a good look at that today. Today, I'm bringing you inside my world with a special guest. You get today my best friend, my partner in life for 24 years now. That's right, my husband, my baby daddy. Jai Hillier. And we were once described this way by Prophet Gary Morgan, and you can choose which was which throughout the episode. He said, one of you is pie in the sky and one is steak on the plate. Uh, I'll let you figure out which one's which. Pastor Corey Turner, before he actually knew us well, prophesied this over us, that passion and wisdom would run together. Again, I'll let you choose which one is which. And Dr. Michael Maiden prophesied in 2019 that through our marriage and partnership in ministry, we would show the world something unique that hasn't been seen before. And so I want you to welcome to the podcast, Jai. Welcome to the potty, babe. Thanks, babe. Good to be here. Good. Now, you're obviously a big supporter of the podcast, right? Tell me, how many episodes have you actually listened to? Well, let me answer that question by making a statement. (laughs) Here we go. I get you 24 hours a day (laughs) and that is a gift. Isn't it? Yeah. So I have listened to a couple, but I don't see the need having living with you 24-7. So much wisdom. Interesting. Mm. Very interesting. Mm. So you're actually incredibly releasing, Jai, and have never asked me to be less or to hold back. I want you to talk for a moment about what conviction you live by. That means you're so flexible about all that is my intense personhood and why you've chosen to be so releasing. Well, it's a good question. I think for me, it comes back to God's intention at creation. He obviously created us with a free will and gave us an ability to choose what we were going to do and I don't feel that as a husband I have the right to control you or to limit your capability so I believe that uh, stewardship begins in your family stewardship begins with your wife and releasing and allowing God to use every gift that's in your life and then it also then extends into your kids before it ever goes into ministry or people that you lead. Mm. Yeah, good one. And not only have you just chosen not to control, but you've actually been very releasing. And I think one of the things we're both passionate about is not subscribing to traditional roles within marriage. I don't mean that we're moving away from how the Bible describes the relationship between a husband and wife, but I mean we kind of don't subscribe to the woman does all the cooking and the man takes out the garbage. (laughs) Do you want to expand on that a little bit about kind of what our approach is when it comes to what needs to be done within a marriage, within a home, with four hard, 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 hard teenaging right now. They are teenaging hard, our four children. Do you want to talk just a little bit about how we've kind of worked that dynamic out as a couple? Yeah, it's a great question. I think we often, as you've alluded to, put on 
onto what God intended for the male and the female when he created us. We put extra practical things on top of that that God never really intended. So in terms of the female and the male, he created us to be joined together in partnership, but he created us very differently. Hmm. And when we can harness that, it becomes a powerful partnership that then makes each spouse better. So as we work together, as we learn from each other and as we pick up the strengths that are in one and the other and we lean into those things, we both become stronger, we both become more aware, we both become better leaders, pastors, all those sorts of things. And I think I hate the statement that men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loathe it because (laughs) it builds a culture of separation Mm -hmm. and it builds a culture of fighting this sort of you've got to fight for your right Mm. in a marriage and I think that fundamentally defies God's intended order uh, Mm -hmm. in creation and so at the end of the day that's the the primary reason or underlying thought behind how we function but when it comes to roles and our kids and family and all the different things that we have to do I've found that being flexible and being willing to learn any new skill and Mm. do anything Mm -hmm. to help the family function is a critical part of a healthy family environment. So, you know, as an example, when we got married, I couldn't cook uh, anything. Mm -hmm. I couldn't cook an egg. Toast was about as far as it would go. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I've, I've learned I can cook, I can do meals and all that sort of stuff for the kids. And that's just a function of saying, hey, I need to learn that skill that I don't have to practically help the family and Mm -hmm. to help you as well. And I know at times you've mowed the lawn when I wasn't wasn't there (laughs) to do it or whatever. So I think that's just the the heart that uh, that we take to it. Yeah, you're a real whiz with the Thermi. And (laughs) I guess the thing is we don't go, well, this is a male role, this is a female role. It's like what needs to be done for the family to function well and for us to all serve and love the Lord together and let's just get it done and we really hope that we give our children the example of true partnership in the kingdom and that obviously mutual love respect and submission to one another in a marriage but that they won't enter that kind of relationship stuck on all this is what a woman does and this is what a man does but they will have seen people who are in partnership in everything who are figuring out how to just get done what needs to be done to live abundant lives Okay, well, let's get on with that. We're going to take a listen now to a small section from Jeremiah Johnson's prophetic word, The Clash at the Gates. And again, I do want to state that this prophecy is being used with the express written permission of Alter Global. And I really want to thank them for that. What you are about to hear are the words of this prophecy, but not Jeremiah's voice. So let's have a listen. The Seven Mountains. The saints are going to be trained and equipped to do the work of ministry in their sphere like never before. A shift from being an audience to becoming an army will impact every sphere of society. A heavy emphasis on gospel preaching and kingdom demonstration is coming. Mass evangelism with deliverance and miracles is coming like a tidal wave. Entertainment Christianity is over. Healthy marriage and family. An addiction to ministry, conferences, and calling is being exposed in this generation of saints and leaders. Date nights, anniversary trips, family vacations and more are going to be prioritised just like revival and church attendance should be. There is no need to separate one from another. 
a remnant is finally recognising that authentic revival looks like healthy marriage and family. House churches are going to explode across the globe. Ministry addiction is over. Kingdom entrepreneurs. I saw gatherings of Christian marketplace people called Joseph Companies. There will be a tremendous anointing upon them to walk in kingdom collaboration with one another. I heard God say, many kingdom entrepreneurs have struggled with isolation and even loneliness, feeling like they do not fit in with the traditional church. But in 2023, my spirit will begin to blow and cause many ideas and inventions to come forth that will be impossible to complete without the help of others. I saw a gigantic puzzle with missing pieces that in 2023, many kingdom entrepreneurs are finally going to connect with the missing pieces to their puzzles. So the Lord shares his heart through Jeremiah for the saints to be trained and equipped to do the work of ministry in their sphere like never before. I love that. For you, this is an area of particular passion that people are equipped to be kingdom effective outside the four walls of the church. Mm. And Jeremiah kind of puts it this way. He says, becoming an army that impacts every sphere of society. And actually, I think it was in season one, I did a whole collection on the seven spheres or the seven mountains of society which you know I'm very passionate about. Mm, But I'd love for you to share your heart on this and why you believe it's important in this particular time in history. Yeah, this has been kingdom effectiveness uh, across the world, across the globe, outside the church has always been a key focus or heart motivation for me because I think that the kingdom of God was always intended to be everywhere. It's always intended to cover the whole world in mm-hmm. the glory of God. And so when we think about ourselves as ambassadors of the kingdom, if you think about ambassadors in the natural realm, ambassadors are ambassadors 24-7. They have mm-hmm. very specific rights wherever they go in the mm-hmm. world uh, in any country as an ambassador of another country. So I think if we think about ourselves as ambassadors of God, there's mm-hmm. a 24-7 nature to that. Mm-hmm. But the other side of it is that I think there are many, many ways to express the kingdom of God. It isn't just standing on a platform and preaching. Mm-hmm. It isn't just leading worship. It isn't just ushering at a, at a door and being welcoming to people. There are a million different ways that we can show the love of God in any situation that we're in, in a workplace, in the way we treat people, in mm-hmm. the way we respect and honour others, mm-hmm. in workplaces all over the earth and teach people the heart of God mm-hmm. and the beauty of community, partnership, connection, all those sorts of things and the principles of the kingdom, we can take them everywhere we go. And I think now is a particular time in history when you mm-hmm. when you ask that question, why is it so important now? I think it's important now in the Western construct, particularly in the West in Western society, because mm-hmm. our Western societies from a, a governmental perspective are moving further and further away from kingdom principles that they Mm -hmm. were founded in. And so we're starting to see a need, a greater need for kingdom ambassadors to not not come in with leadership positions, but come in with kingdom influence in Mm. every single sphere and area of life and carry it around them, well, with them wherever they go. So true, because if we subscribe to this secular sacred divide thing, for Christians, it really means that if they don't take their Christianity or if they don't take the kingdom into their business place, into their workplace, then they're really putting their relationship with God in this very small percentage Mm. uh, area of their life. 
And God really needs us to be full-time, 100% Christians at all times and taking the kingdom into all seven mountains of society. And it's incredible, you know, that for a couple of years now, I've been praying that the Lord would open up doors of influence or two people of influence within the seven mountains so that Mm. we could have some prophetic input into their lives because I believe that's one of the calls on the church in this hour. It's been incredible the doors the Lord has opened into each of the seven spheres Mm. where now we're speaking with people of influence and giving them prophetic guidance and praying for them and interceding for them. And it's amazing what God is doing in the seven spheres of society It's not a time for us to rely on people coming to church. It's a time for the church to be the church outside of the four walls, which actually leads me to the next thing that Jeremiah talked about or that the Lord spoke about through Jeremiah. He says, entertainment Christianity is over. And you and I speak about this quite a lot, that if you have to entertain people in church to get them, you'll have to entertain them to keep them. Mm. And I remember, Jai, in one of your old corporate workplaces that your CEO used to call our church, which was in a different place than where we are now. He used to call it the show. Yes, he did. Remember that? Yep, yep. So where do you think this comment was coming from? What did he mean? Is this a common perception of church in the business mountain? And you were working in like data, working in the IT area and sales. But yeah, he used to say, oh, Jai's going up to the show or oh, where's Stacey? She's up at the show. Why do you think he called it that? What was his perception? Yeah, look, it was it's a very interesting comment that he made p- persistently over a number of years. Yeah. He originally came to one of our Christmas shows, <laughs> and I think that's probably where the original the show came from. It I think it blew his mind uh, to a point where mm. he was used to a, a, a more traditional church kind of idea. Yep. And then coming into our church with all the you know, lights and, and, and lots of capable singers and things like that. He was very surprised at, at what that looked like. So, mm-hmm. But I think it's a, it's a great reflection of someone who's coming in from a, a particular mindset or view mm. and then seeing something completely different and just putting a slogan on it, mm-hmm. you know, as an immediate response. Mm. And I think it, it also means that we need to reflect then on mm. how far have we potentially moved away from some of those more contemplative Sabbath type rhythm, uh, you know, reflective type processes in our churches and moved more to, yes, we are trying to get people saved. Absolutely. That's a critical part of it. But where and what has maybe been lost in that process? And Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's a good reflection exercise for us to do as, as Christians and as the church to see what, what do we need to bring back or what do we need to do to change how we interact with God and the community around us. Absolutely, because when people come into the church, even if we've got lights and we've got all the bells and whistles and whatever you want to call that, or the bells and incense, you really want people to see that there's a difference between us and the world. Mm. And I think probably in the last couple of decades, the church has actually looked to the world for how to do entertainment, and Mm. it's come from a good heart people who want to love the Lord well and bring a sense of excellence and worship to him. Mm. But that does mean to an outsider sometimes it can seem like what is different between going to see Coldplay and going to this kind of church. And Mm. I guess the only way they know there's a difference is by the way the people walk and talk and the authenticity of the people. But I also think the Lord's working in that area right now and and getting us back to the main thing, Mm. what's really important. Mm. 
So I'd love it actually if just for a moment you could talk about what is your heart for kingdom business because this is something you oversee in the life of our church. If it could look like anything, what would it look like for people to be business people engaged in the life of the church and living lives of influence outside of the church? Yeah, great question. So a little while back, God really downloaded some sort of an idea of kingdom business, or I actually don't like that term, sort of calling it more kingdom partners or something else. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so God gave me a, a real view of okay, what's in the church? What's the culture that's in the church? What's the way that we empower and honour and love and, and, and lead in the church? And, and in our church, that's via by, by fivefold ministry. And what does that then look like translated or transferred into marketplace, into marketplace language, into how we might operate in the marketplace? So, for example, what it, what it ultimately looks like for me is God's heart, and intention being mm -hmm. outworked in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So, for example, really simple example would be something like a business that would take uh, its HR processes and instead of treating people like a, a commodity that gets a mm -hmm. function done, mm -hmm. they treat people like a son or a daughter of God mm -hmm. in their process. So right. they care for people, they look after, they think holistically about family, about interactions, about relationships and brokenness, as well as the function of the role that someone might be doing in a business. Mm -hmm. So that's just one example of where I see, you know, it's more about the heart of God mm -hmm. and the kingdom culture permeating through organizations and then the other part of leadership i really believe that the apostolic uh, or the fivefold ministry mm -hmm. has a commercial parallel mm -hmm. in that things like an apostle is more like an entrepreneur in a business mm -hmm. sense and so and obviously each of the graces everyone's graced i believe it's just whether they're aligned with god and mm -hmm. aligned with their sonship or daughtership that determines whether they're kingdom aligned or building things for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the critical factor is imagine if you could put a leadership team together in a business that was fivefold, mm -hmm. that had the various graces flowing through it. Mm -hmm. You would get such holistic decision making and all sorts of things around uh, kingdom and even the blessing of God, I think, would, would uh, expand beyond what's normal in the natural and in the flesh so look it's exciting because I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of business people who think and feel like they are very disconnected mm -hmm. from okay the business is like a separate world to the church mm -hmm. and so i think engaging and bringing those two things together and, and that excites me about jeremiah's prophecy bringing those two things together in a way that works in the marketplace not in a in a sort of a mm -hmm. church language way there'd be other language we might use around mm -hmm. this but it brings the kingdom into those uh, workspaces and across the earth ultimately yeah and I guess our heart really is not that business people would feel like in the life of the church they're always being asked for money they're always being asked for consultancy they're always being invited to things that then there's going to be a big ask at the end of it but actually they feel more empowered and more set up to be kingdom effective yes. where God's placed them because they're part of the church mm. now will they give maybe but it's not the primary purpose That's of why right. we engage them and so even recently we had 
a kingdom partners gathering where we brought in our eagle prophets who then just gave prophetic ministry out of love to each of these business people that became encouraging directional and that's our heart is to bless business people to go into the world and to be kingdom effective of course resource will be funneled in and through the kingdom but it doesn't all have to come through the church and so I love seeing that Jeremiah talks about in the prophecy or the Lord's heart is that he sees a gathering of Christian marketplace people called Joseph Companies. That's Mm. something I really want to look more into, Mm. that there'll be a tremendous anointing upon them to walk in kingdom collaboration with one another. I heard God say many kingdom entrepreneurs have struggled with isolation and even loneliness, feeling like they do not fit in with traditional church. That's another thing, Jai, we're very passionate about is creating community for business people and watching them all in a room just around food and Mm. watching the cross-pollination and the support for one another. That's what we're really looking for. The prophecy goes on, in 2023, my spirit will begin to blow and cause many ideas and inventions to come forth that will be impossible to complete without the help of others. I saw a gigantic puzzle with missing pieces that in 2023, many kingdom entrepreneurs are finally going to connect with the missing pieces to the puzzle. And I just want to encourage people to have a bit more, have a look into this concept of Joseph companies and see what that might mean for you and your context. I know I will be. What will that mean in your church? What does that mean amongst your circle of influence? And this kingdom collaboration with one another. We've got Mm. to let go of this whole pride that says, I want to achieve the big goal on my own and learn how to do it in family. For those who'd like to know more about what Jai just mentioned about the firefold in business, Alan Hirsch does write about this in his book 5Q, where he draws what some theologians or commentators or certainly um, our Dr. Mike would say is a fairly long bow in terms of theologically how you would support it. But I think the concept's good of saying somebody like a Steve Jobs is an apostle. And that someone like a Chris Martin of Coldplay is like a prophet who writes lyrics that Mm, speak to the time, that foretell and foretell. Now, biblically, you'd struggle to support this because Ephesians 4 said the fivefold is a gift to the church. But I can see the concept and I think what you're saying is worth exploring that a graced fivefold team in the marketplace would be invincible and incredible. So I want us to loop back now to talking about healthy marriage and family. And we should say from the outset, Jai, we're still working all of this out. We're not experts. But one thing I think that we do well is we're working it out in community with close friends. We're not afraid to send our kids and us to psychologists, counsellors, spiritual directors, coaches, etc. And we wouldn't want to work this out on our own because we actually don't know what we're doing. Mm. And we need the help of one another. But Jeremiah prophesied this. I'm just going to recap. He talked about an addiction to ministry, conferences and calling being exposed in this generation of saints and leaders. That date nights, anniversary trips, family vacations and more are going to be prioritised just like revival and church attendance. There is no need to separate one from another. A remnant is finally recognising that authentic revival looks like healthy marriage and family. House churches are going to explode across the globe. Ministry addiction is over. Oh, that made my spirit leap. Have you got any initial thoughts on this? Yeah, I do. There's oh, there's a whole heap of things here, but I think as as I do a lot of reflection on lots of things on myself and family and church mm-hmm. and life and society and all sorts of things. And a little while ago, obviously a number of years ago, uh, I had a an encounter where I I realised that my identity 
was not in Christ. It was in something else. It was in mm-hmm. a, a series of different things. And that took me on a journey of reflection uh, across a whole heap of other things out into society, into church, into leadership, into mm-hmm. what was going on. And, and God revealed that, you know, through that process that many have formed their identity in mm-hmm. ministry, many have formed their identity in position mm-hmm. or leadership authority mm-hmm. or responsibility, mm-hmm. w- whatever it is, or in talent. You know, there's a million things you can frame your identity in. And I think that's where this ministry addiction, I- its core is mm-hmm. at yeah. identity. Can I just say here that this stage when you went through this and God was rewiring this, you were in management in the corporate world leading IT working with big clients, et cetera, and part of your yeah. identity was actually wrapped around that role within the corporate world. Yeah, corporate world, but also it even went into sporting and ability, yep. you know, uh, athletic ability, things like that. Achievement-based identity. Yeah, mm. that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that I realised that was extremely unhelpful and mm-hmm. it was actually causing me to hurt others right. in the process because mm-hmm. now I'm not coming from a wholeness position of sonship mm-hmm. I'm coming from a I need to be better than you at this mm-hmm. kind of perspective and that drives competitiveness and a whole mm-hmm. series of other things. So I, I had a whole heap of epiphanies in that time in my life and, and it really it changed my life. Yep. And so I think when we talk about this, I've seen this for a while because of those things that I experienced in my own life and that God revealed to me. I've seen that there has been that. So I've always been like I'm not the FOMO guy. I'm the what's the opposite? Jomo, Jomo, the joy of missing out. Yeah, I, I, with with these sorts of things, ministry conferences, different things like that. I'm not. I don't. I mean, I love the presence of God, and but I can have the presence of God in my lounge room just as much as I can the corporate gathering. Oh, and you can go to a million conferences and not experience the presence of God. Yeah, that's right. So I think that that side of it hasn't been a problem for me personally in the last period of time. But I think then the crossover to that, so identity's I think part of the the core issue. But then. God spoke to me as well a while ago about making family your first ministry focus. Yep. That if your family isn't right, and obviously this is talked about by Paul in, in several of the letters around, you know, what a leader does and he's a, you know, looks after his family, etc., mm-hmm. children, blah, blah, blah. So in Timothy and Titus. Timothy yep. and Titus, yeah. So there's a few, there's a lot of references to that, but essentially God said to me, if, if your family, if you're not discipling your own children why would you bother discipling the church? Mm-hmm. You, you, if your family's out of order and is not bringing that kingdom ambassadorship to the earth as mm-hmm. God intended them to, then you're focusing your attention in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. So I've had to make a lot of decisions and still learning on that. As Stacey mentioned, we're not perfect mm-hmm. in this. We're, we're working this out mm-hmm. as we go because responsibilities grow and change and mm-hmm. you've got to adjust mm-hmm. all of the time. So anyway, we, we try and work that through. But that's that's the one foundation I guess I stand on yeah, from this perspective is that family is the most important, the first priority in ministry. Yep. It's not separate to ministry. Yep. It is my first and most important priority in ministry. Yeah, so when people ask us the question of how do you balance family and ministry, that question doesn't really even fit within our paradigm because it's not family or ministry. Family is ministry yep. and they're your first ministry. And so I think one of the areas people get tripped up is that thinking that ministry is public 
Mm. And that ministry is yeah. only public. Yeah. Ministry is the whole of your life, whether you work at a church, whether you work in a business place, because you're always representing Christ. And so ministry is wherever you find yourself. So I think yeah. that paradigm shift is a big change. I know you haven't necessarily struggled with this yourself, Jai, but you've seen a lot of people around you where in environments where people are addicted to ministry mm. and then often they end up in your office now that you're the business manager in our church. Mm. Often yeah. they end up in your office in crisis mode. Do you want to talk for a moment about what it looks like to pick up the pieces of somebody who's addicted to ministry? Mm. Yeah, look, it's difficult and we've had several journeys of recovery mm-hmm. here, but I think the the key part of it is that as people are addicted to ministry and without the right boundaries or, or, or leadership around them that's aware of those things and can help them manage and grow and develop maturity and decision-making, prioritisation, mm-hmm. things like that, mm-hmm. They get caught in the wheel and then they mm. end up with adrenaline fatigue, mm-hmm. basically going in and out, in and out, in and out, mm-hmm. or over their head. They take mm-hmm. on more responsibility than they can handle mm-hmm. in the church and they end up with a fatigue that just settles in and they feel like they want to give it all up and they want to mm-hmm. you know, uh, stop doing anything, stop mm-hmm. coming to church. Mm-hmm. And so we've spent, we spent lots, it's, it's a long journey back. Mm-hmm. from that adrenaline fatigue in ministry mm-hmm. and I think we just love on them that's 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 what I try and do is is frame them more towards their value in God mm-hmm. to start to talk about you know what are the things that drove them so find those those key uh, drivers mm-hmm. which is often around identity it's often around uh, several of those things why why did, did they take that on when it wasn't their responsibility or mm-hmm. you know that that drive to be part of everything that FOMO concept mm. we go through all of that and then just cut mm. it right back to mm-hmm. okay identity Christ what does Jesus want you to do let's yep. just actually go and ask that question first regardless of what everyone else around thinks should be done what does Jesus want you to do and who does he want you to be mm-hmm. and so we go back through and that takes obviously a period of time so it's it's a long road back and so so if we could I guess uh Uh, have less of it that would be incredible if people Mm -hmm. were able to find that so i think one of the simplest things if if people want to let go of an addiction to ministry just get off social media Mm. because you'll stop competing and stop seeing what everyone else is doing and feel like you're never doing enough your platform's never big enough your influence isn't big enough you're not speaking to enough people and to be honest if that's why you're in ministry it's going to be a tough journey and and i'll sound like the prophet now but that's okay i'm going to talk about this for a moment because i think this is important because our jobs are never done for you and i you're the global business manager of our church i'm the global prophet things are never all ticked off And we often feel this tension between being enough in any area of our lives or feeling like we're not. But often people use this as an excuse to cover the fact that they're actually addicted to ministry or at least what ministry has become. Oftentimes what ministry can look like today is actually nothing like what Jesus' ministry looked like. He hung out with prostitutes, the destitute. He went to where the sick were. He spent a lot of time alone communing with his father to find out what he was meant to do and what he was meant to say. And sadly, today, ministry can look like green rooms at conferences, networking in hotel restaurants, yeah. celebrities, Instagram followings, 
Mm. And this kind of addiction is honestly addiction to self and self-idolatry. And I can say this because I nearly burnt out on being addicted to not necessarily ministry, but my job. And I was basically avoiding another area of my life by running to work. Mm. And we do need to see this being exposed because it is damaging the church, like Jai mentioned before. Anytime our identity is wrapped around or tethered to anything that is not Christ-likeness, it is going to damage other people. That's right, yeah. And God is merciful enough to expose this privately before it becomes public. But do you remember that season, Jai, where last year I just was grieving on behalf of the church because I could, and the Lord had showed me some of what was to come. And I saw a vision of seven burning torches and each of the torches had a well-known logo on their stem. And I saw him literally coming and using like a big snuffer Mm. to put the flame out on some of these uh, sticks or these fire sticks. Mm. They looked like tiki torches. And it was alarming to me what I was seeing. It was sad to me what I was seeing. It was unbelievable to me what I was seeing. And yet it has actually happened. And my role in that was to pray for these people, to pray for these churches, Mm. to pray that this could work out differently than what I'd seen. Mm. And he had me studying Revelation 2, where John is shown in a vision that Jesus is talking about removing lampstands of those who do not repent and return to their first love. Mm. And essentially what this vision was showing me was people's first love had become their ministry influence rather than their first love being Jesus, which is why we get into ministry in the first place. And I actually believe he visited those people and is visiting people personally now mm. and calling them back to their first love, which is Jesus and not ministry. Yeah. And he will always come to us personally first because he's kind and he's gracious. Be praying for your pastors. Be praying for leaders of the church across yeah. the globe right now yeah. because it doesn't start out this way. We're talking no, about right. Satan's deceptions and distortions here. But I love that this talks about date nights, anniversary trips, family vacations being an essential part of revival. I love that. We're saying in our church at the moment who is in a, a, an incredible move of God that no family needs to fall apart and nobody yep. needs to burn out. That's right. And so we are actually going to book our holiday straight after this podcast, legit. <laughs> We're going away <laughs> yeah. because yep. we were like, we can't wait longer. We need to go away on holidays earlier because this is an essential part of revival. So we're actually going to finish up there because we're out of time. But I wanted to honour you publicly, Jai. You don't have Instagram. You don't have Facebook. You don't have all the things. So even on birthdays, Father's Days, anniversaries, all the things, Valentine's Day, I don't get to honour you publicly, but I do have a platform here to honour you. And you are a godly man. You're a man worthy of trust. You're a man who releases everybody in our family, who always puts himself last but in a healthy way. And you are an incredible leader. Your capability to carry everything that's on your plate, all the departments and locations you oversee on behalf of our church. And often you sit at the table with an apostolic fivefold that want to run and you're the person who has to put legs and systems and processes and finance and budgets and governance around all of that. And I can see that at times that would make you feel like the extra wheel. And so I want to honour the way you carry that, your heart in how you lead our family and the way you lead in our church. It looks different than the rest of the fivefold, but we couldn't do what we do without you. I couldn't do what I do without you. Our family couldn't do what we do without you. So I love you and I want to honour you publicly. And thank you for coming on the podcast today. 
Thanks, man. I would love it if you could pray for people listening today and pray into this vision for marriages and for kingdom entrepreneurs as we finish up. Sure. Father God, we come before you today and we thank you, Lord, for all that you have done, all that you hold together every day. We're reminded that you hold this earth together in your hands and that you are in control of it all, Father, and we are not. And so we surrender any control to you today. We ask you to show us areas that might be we might be controlling things mm. or we might be doing things that are outside of your will. Mm. I pray, Lord God, that revelation truth would hit every heart mm-hmm. as they listen to this and as we as they go forward into their day today. Lord, I thank you for the, the vision, the prophetic vision that you've given mm-hmm. uh, Jeremiah, Lord God. Mm. I thank you that you have called kingdom entrepreneurs, you've called kingdom to permeate every aspect of our culture and our society and you've called and anointed and appointed men and women to take your kingdom Mm -hmm. that your will be done your kingdom would come into every sphere so lord i I just i break down this whole secular sacred divide Mm -hmm. in jesus name and declare that the kingdom of heaven will flood this earth as the waters cover the sea And Lord, I pray that you would help people to rise in their authority and their Mm. anointing and their understanding of this concept, Lord, Mm. in a way that Jesus would as he walked Mm. the streets when he was on the earth. And so, Lord, I thank you for it. I thank you for healthy marriages and healthy families, Lord God. We know that families are the foundation Mm. and they provide stability to entire cultures and societies. And it's how you ordained it at the beginning, Lord God. And so I pray that you would help us to adjust any paradigm or any thinking that might have that around the wrong way, that we would put our healthy families first, that we would focus on those elements every day. And as we wake, Lord God, we take that responsibility seriously. So, Father, I pray that you'd empower people to make those decisions, to say the no's that empower the yeses. And Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing in this season. We thank you that you are reviving the earth. Mm. And Lord, we honour you and we love you. We thank you for that. And mm. and Father, I pray your blessing over everybody who is listening to this today, everybody who is walking out your kingdom. Lord, empower them, lead them by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So now you can debate which one is pie in the sky and which one's steak on the plate. Which one's passion and which one's wisdom. And you can seek the Lord on those things because I'm sure it's not obvious. But thank you for listening today. And don't forget to check out the show notes. Jai and I have included some recommendations of further readings around family and kingdom business. And I look forward to talking with you next week about apostolic women from this same prophetic word. You're going to love it because I've got not one, but two amazing apostolic people who just so happen to be weapon women. You do not want to miss it. So I will talk to you next week. See ya.